There were three preachers at a coffee shop, and as preachers are prone to do, they got into a discussion. This one was about prayer, and they began to uh, argue about what is the best way to pray. And so one preacher, we'll leave the denominations out of this, I don't know which was which. One preacher said, well, the best way to pray is you've got to get down on your knees and uh, pray. And if it's only if you're on your knees that prayer is really effective. It's so important to pray on your knees. And he quoted a Bible verse. And the other preacher's sitting there shaking his head the whole time. He's not buying it. I think he was charismatic. And he said, when you pray, you need to stand up, look up to heaven, lift up your arms, and pray like they prayed in the Bible. Say, dear Lord, and, you know, cry out to God. Be passionate when you pray. And the other guy's sitting there, and he said, no, 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 no. And he said, when you pray, the best prayer and the best position for prayer is to fall flat on your face before God, like an Old Testament character. You know, just be on your face before God and uh, cry out to God. Well, they're going back and forth about this in the coffee shop, and there was a guy sitting in the booth next to them who was an uh, electrical repairman. He worked for the electrical company. And he said, guys, if I could interrupt, he said, you're all wrong. He said, the best prayer I ever prayed when I was hanging up upside down from a power pole one day, and uh, that was the best prayer I ever prayed. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about prayer. When was the best prayer you ever prayed? That joke didn't go, did it? I'm sorry. I think they're laughing at me, not the joke. When was the best time you ever prayed, or what is your best prayer? It's really not appropriate, I think, to rank prayers, but this morning I do want to talk to you about prayer. Now, people pray. Almost everybody prays. And so this is not about trying to get you to pray, but I want to develop your prayer a little bit in terms of talking about motivating you to pray, but also talking about the listening dimension to prayer. And we are on a journey here. We call it uh, stepping out in faith. And we're going through some of the books of the Old Testament. And we're now beginning the books of First Samuel. And if you want to read through Samuel with us, there's a reading guide on the information table. I encourage you to pick it up. But uh, you've been a great group because some of you have read through Judges. You've read through Joshua. And that's tough sledding. Samuel's much better. So I hope you'll join us in reading through the books of Samuel. These are great stories to read to your children, by the way. And this morning I want to lift up two characters a man and a woman, who are models for us in prayer. They really serve as role models. And so we're going to look at those two people and talk about prayer today and uh, kind of get acquainted with them and see how they're examples to us. And I, then I'm going to conclude today by giving you a time to pray. And so we're going to have a little bit of interaction here today. But let's begin by talking about a person named Hannah. And if you'd like to follow in your Bible, there's a Bible in front of you in the pew, and I'm on page 244. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we begin by meeting a man and a woman, and uh, the man's name is Elkanah, and the woman's name is Hannah, and they get married. And as they're married, we have no idea how long they're married, but they're married long enough for Elkanah to realize Hannah is not going to have children. And particularly in that day and age, that was a problem. The, The families would pass on their name through the children, primarily the sons. They would also pass on their property. And so Elkanah is very worried about what will happen to my family's name, what will happen to our property if we have no children. You can back up in the Old Testament and remember Sarah and Abraham wrestled with the same problem. And so that's a big deal. And so 
Elkanah decides, well, I'm going to fix this problem, so he marries another woman named Peninnah. And Peninnah begins to bear kids. She has several kids. Now, let me stop here. This is a talk about prayer, not about marriage. But uh, God's design for marriage begins very early in Scripture. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, we read about Adam and Eve. They got married, right? It was just Adam and Eve. A man and a woman, they got married. And God's design is for one man to be married to one woman. Now, it's true that as you go through Scripture, you do find situations, King David's an example, of men who had more than one wife. And here's an example of that. Let me just say, and if you want to do a little study on that issue, you can go off on your own. But I think I'm correct in saying every time you find a man who has more than one wife, you also find problems, trouble. Now, I'm not going to go any further down that road, but they're just, they're just trouble. And it was true in this situation. Because can you imagine, Peninnah began to be cruel, and you will see it in the Scripture in a moment. She began to be cruel and hold it over Hannah. I've got kids, and you don't. Now, even if she hadn't have said anything, there would be a lot of tension. But she doesn't uh, not say anything. She goes forward and talks about this, and she begins to torment Hannah. Now, as the story unfolds, it's their family tradition to go from their town or village up to Shiloh, uh, that's where worship was in that day. There's no temple, so don't think temple, but there's a house of the Lord there. There's a building, and there's a place to worship. And they would go there, and they would make sacrifice. They would worship the Lord. It was also a feast. I think it was a time when you, you see folks that you haven't seen in a while. It was a great event, and they did it annually. And so our story today is that uh, they've all gone up to Shiloh for this festival. And while they're at Shiloh... Uh, Hannah is particularly upset about her barrenness, and so she doesn't eat, and she cries all the time. And she cries because Peninnah is tormenting her, and the Scripture says, uh, making fun of her, putting her down over this situation. And so she's kind of broken over her own barrenness. That's bad enough, but now the other wife is laying it on her, and it's just a tough time. Now, I want to pick up reading, I think it's in verse, uh, verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. Uh, verse 7 says they went up year by year to the house of the Lord. And then uh, in verse 8, her husband Elkanah said to her, Now, men, I, I particularly like for you to look at me. You don't need to look at your Bible right now. I'll read you the verse. Do this. Would you put your hand over your ear, men? All right, I'm going to look around here, yeah? Hans, get your hand over your ear here, yeah? Look up. Uh, whoops, the page turned on me. Now, listen as I read to you and see if you can catch something here. Uh, her husband Elkanah said to Hannah, remember Hannah is not eating, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Are you ready, guys? Are you ready, guys? Are you ready? Okay. Am I not more to you than ten sons? Oh. Now just take your foot and stick it in your mouth. You'll get the idea here. Oh, again, this is a sermon on prayer, not on grief management, and this is to all of us, but twice in this chapter 1, men say bad things to poor Hannah. I mean, this is an obtuse statement. It's the wrong thing to say. It's, it's, it's just horrible what he says. Now, he, it says earlier in Scripture, 
Elkanah loves Hannah. He really does love her. He's broken up about this. He wants to do something for her, but it's not going to happen. But don't ever set up that kind of comparison. You know, when somebody is very sad and it makes you sad and you want to help a great deal, you know the best thing to do? Maybe don't say anything. Just put your arm around them and give them a hug. Keep your mouth shut. And if, you, if you're not sure about what to say, doubly shut your mouth. Get some duct tape and put over it. Because so often, and especially Christian people, we say the wrong things to people in grief. It happens all the time. And Elkanah is a great bad example here of that. Uh, Because no, it wasn't about her or sons, him or sons. He couldn't fill that void in her life. Now, as the story unfolds, Hannah goes over to the house of the Lord to pray and uh, As she goes in, she's praying, and it was very common in that day to pray out loud. And so you would go into the house of the Lord, you'd pray out loud. And that was a style of prayer, a tradition. Now, as she's praying, she doesn't pray out loud, but her lips are moving. And Eli, the priest, is there, and he's watching her pray. And I can, I can, I can only imagine, I can, I can easily imagine how the, the pastor's getting upset as he sees this woman, she comes forward, and there's just a lot of emotion, but he can't hear anything. He's an old man, he's almost blind, but he sees the lips moving. And so finally he can't have it, uh, stand this anymore. He thinks she's come into church drunk, and he's not going to put up with this. Now, I've pastored long enough that there have been many times people have come to church drunk. I've seen that. I've seen it here, I've seen it at other churches, you know, it happens. Uh, so he's going to do something about it. And he goes up to her and he says, Woman, what are you doing coming here drunk? Sober up before you. And he just begins to chew her out. Second time, a man says the wrong thing to poor Hannah. I mean, this poor woman. And she's mortified. The priest thinks I'm drunk. Oh. And she says, Eli, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm so broken in spirit. I've poured out my heart to the Lord. And so Eli, I think, immediately realizes he's made a big mistake. And so he probably said, oh, bless you, my child, bless you, go, you know, may God give you what you asked for. And he kind of shoes her on out of there and says, I hope God grants your prayer. And then the scripture says, and I hope you caught this, they go home from Shiloh. And in the course of their lives, Elkanah and Hannah make love, and she gets pregnant. And it comes around the time she gives birth to a baby. And she names him Samuel, the Lord hears. And she remembers this event in the temple, or not the temple, but the house of the Lord. And she says, uh, the next year where they're going back to Shiloh, she says, I'm not going this year, I'm going to stay here. And for several years, she does not go back to the house of the Lord because she's made an enormous promise. Now, she didn't have to do this. We're, We're not told why she did this. But what she did was, she said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. Now, be careful what you promise God. But she did, and eventually, when he was old enough, she took him back to the house of the Lord, to Eli, the priest, and said, I'm giving you this child. Raise him up in the house of the Lord. And so he was with the Lord forever. Now, let me step back from this story for a minute. Two things. I love this story, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I've read it over and over And uh, especially when our children were young and I would read this chapter, it would make me cry. The power of Hannah and uh, what she did. I just, I still am amazed at, at this woman. She's a tremendous role model. But stepping back a little further, what's happening here, those of you who've been with us on this journey, 
you remember God's people came up out of Exodus, uh, up out of Egypt in the Exodus. They were slaves. God freed them. Their leader was Moses. When Moses died, Joshua rose up, and he brought them into the Promised Land. And we talked about the book of Joshua, the great leader Joshua. When Joshua died out, there were all those judges. Remember, 12 of them? You've memorized them, right? Sure. Well, sort of. We can remember at least Gideon and Samson. And the judges kind of ruled. But as we read the book of Joshua, it was this descent almost into hell. It was really a bad time. Now, as 1 Samuel opens, we're getting this new history, so to speak. God's raising somebody else up as a leader. And he is going to be the leader who actually anoints the first two kings of Israel. And Samuel's just a great man. And so Hannah stands before us as the mother of Samuel, and two whole chapters are given here to her. And I want to talk to you about some uh, ex- the example that she gives to us. And the first one, if you'll find your notes, you may want to jot this down. There is a, this is in your bulletin, and it might be a good time to pull it out. Hannah is a model to us of honesty in prayer of honesty in prayer. Let me read to you this scripture that we're going to see on the screen here. Verses 10 and 15. She, Hannah, was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. But And this is when the priest speaks to her. But answer, Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And if I could, I'd underline the words distressed, wept, prayed, deeply troubled, pouring out my soul. That's the idea of her honesty. Hannah went to God and said, God, here's my problem. Here's what I'm upset about. Here's what I want to talk to you about. And this morning, I want to emphasize, when you pray, be honest. Be honest. God already knows what's in your heart. And you may say, well, Steve, if God knows, why do I need to tell God? Well, you don't tell God for your benefit. It's for His benefit. It's for your benefit. And there are lots of times we pray and we're so silly, we act like everything's okay when in the inside we're all torn up, but we don't tell God. We're not honest in our prayer life. And this morning, if you're angry with God, I I encourage you to tell that to God. If uh, you think God's done you wrong, speak to God about that. It may be this morning you say, Steve, I'm not sure I believe in God. Well, then tell God. If you doubt, tell God about your doubts. That's what prayer is. It's honest conversation with God. And I want to encourage you this morning to be honest. Hannah was, and she's a great model to us in this. Hannah was honest in her prayers. Now, the second thing she's a model about is that Hannah is helpful because she's thankful. Thankfulness in prayer is so critical. Every great person in the Bible who was a great prayer was a thankful person. In fact, I don't think you can find great people in the Scripture who are not thankful people. The Scripture was read to you a moment ago from the Apostle Paul. He often said hard things, tough things for us to understand, but he was a very grateful person. All his letters begin with thanksgiving. And so Hannah is a great model to us. In chapter 2, we don't have time to read that, but she writes a song, a poem. And it's about how great God is and how God has helped her and raised her up and how God brings down the mighty and raises up the weak. And in fact, it's very similar to Mary's psalm that she wrote later when she found out she was going to give birth to Jesus. Now, Hannah's thankful, and let me read this scripture. Let's read it together, in fact, uh, from chapter 2. There is no holy one like the Lord. No one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah is a thankful person. 
Now, perhaps there's no greater indicator of our faith than our ability to say thanks. Now, this morning, as you're honest to God, there may be some complaints you have with the Lord. There may be some big problems that you're dealing with. And you're going to talk to God about that. But I would say, I don't think there's a person in this room who can't think of something for which to give thanks to God. I mean, you got up and got here today, right? You're, you can go down here to Starbucks. You're not worried about a bomb going off next to it, are you? I mean, we live in an amazing nation. We've just had all this money spent and all this arguing over the best candidates, and we voted, and I don't think anybody got shot or blown up. You know, it, it, we live in a wonderful place. We can give thanks for that. We can give thanks for our health. We can give thanks for persons in our lives who are so important to us, and God's placed them there. Uh, there are many, many things for which we can give thanks today, and I want to encourage you as we follow the model of Hannah to be a thankful person. Be honest and be thankful. Now, let's go to chapter 3. And uh, Hannah gave birth to a son. What was his name? Samuel. And he's, uh, we begin meeting Samuel in, uh, in Samuel chapter 3. Imagine that. And Samuel's a great model to us as well. And uh, he's a model of listening to, the, to God, listening to the Lord. Let's talk a bit about listening. Um, I'll read the scripture and then we'll talk about the story. 1 Samuel 3.10. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. If you grew up going to church as a child, you heard this story. It's one of the most popular children's stories in the Bible. The story of the boy Samuel, who's now living in Shiloh with Eli, the old priest, and how God got him up in the night. And it begins at night. They're asleep. And you can imagine, uh, the Scripture tells us that uh, Eli is an old man. He's a fat old man. He's a fat, almost blind old man. He's huge. That's what the Scripture says. And you can assume that it was not uncommon for Eli to call out to Samuel in the night and say, I need this, I need that, help me. Uh, And so Samuel was already used to, I believe, getting up and helping uh, Eli. Now, also... Earlier, God has told Eli, Eli, your sons are corrupt. They were priests. They were corrupt priests. And so God has spoken to Eli and says, Eli, you're an old man. Your life is about over, and the priesthood's not going to go on through you. Your sons are bad. You haven't disciplined them, and I'm going to have to remove you and your sons. So a very hard message has been given to Eli. Eli has said, Lord, whatever your will is. So Eli knows this. Now, On this particular night, Samuel wakes up, and he thinks Eli has called, so he runs to Eli's bed. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. This happens three times. And on the third time, Eli realized, wait a minute, I think this young man is hearing from God. I think God's speaking to him. Now, let me pause here. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of the older generation passing on their faith to the younger generation. As parents, we are to teach our children about the Lord. Eli, in spite of all his problems, does a great job with Samuel here of telling him about the Lord. So Eli says to him, Samuel, I didn't call you. I haven't called you all night. Perhaps the Lord's calling you. So the next time you hear this voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And so Samuel goes back to bed. And the fourth time he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he says, speak, your servant's listening. And God says to this boy, You need to tell Eli that I'm going to judge his house and that he and his sons will not continue to be priests. 
It's over. That's the condensed version. So, now do you think Samuel went back to bed and slept? Here's this father figure to him, God's person, and he's got to give him a message. Now, it almost indicates in Scripture, it says the morning came. I'm not sure he got out of bed so quick that morning. Just kind of laid around, stayed there in bed for a while. Finally, he got up and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And he's going about his chores. And Eli says, Samuel? Yes, sir? Uh, God talked to you last night? Yes, sir. What did he say? And you can just picture this boy looking at the ground, shuffling his feet. I don't know if he had pockets, but his hands in his pockets. You know, he's just standing there. He does not want to give the message. And so Eli very sternly says, you better tell me what God told you. And Samuel does. And it's a mark of courage. He listened to God and he did what God said to do, which brings us to the last point. Samuel, Samuel is a model of obedience. Obedience. Now, as I studied this, I wondered how often has God spoken to me and I didn't do it? Mm. It's happened. I'm sure it's happened a lot. I wonder if there comes a time when God keeps speaking to someone and, and they never respond to what God says. So God just says, well, I'm going to move on now. This person won't listen. I'm not going to talk anymore. In the human world, that happens, right? There are some folks you talk to and talk to and talk to, and eventually you just say, uh, forget it. I'm wasting my breath here. And we move on. Now, the reality is Samuel is such a great model here because he listens to the Lord and it becomes a characteristic of his life. What God tells him to do, he does it. He does it. He has the courage to be obedient. Let's look at this uh, scripture. So Samuel told him, Eli, everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, this is Eli, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Reminds you of the words of Jesus, who grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Samuel grew up, folks loved him. And they realized this child, now becoming a man, God is with him. When, when Samuel speaks, you better listen. And when God spoke, Samuel listened. And he's a great model to us about listening uh, to the Lord. Now, I want to conclude this morning, I'm going to give you some time to prayer. Not, not an uncomfortable time, but some time to pray. And I want to encourage you to pray. This is a, the Lord's house. This place is dedicated to prayer. The Lord is here. And I want to encourage you to pray. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about um, a long time ago, I realized that uh, I was in love with Joyce. And then the next question was, well, Am I enough in love with her to marry her? Now, I was a very mature young man at age 18. <laughs> right. And I thought a lot about that, and I prayed about that, and I talked to my parents about that. And the day came when then I then, what did I do? I proposed. I said, Joyce, will you marry me? And she said yes. And we got married. Now, in marriage, there's a, it's a, like a conversation, isn't it? There's speaking, there's listening, there's giving, there's receiving. It's reciprocal. Is it different with God? Not supposed to be. And actually, God has proposed to you. God loves you. God loves you very much. God is love. They say, Steve, how did God propose to me? Well, he proposed through Jesus. 
God says, I want a relationship with you. A personal, real, living relationship. You say, well, Steve, how do I start that relationship? Well, I, I say yes. I don't do something. I receive something. I received the gift of Jesus. And just like symbolically Joyce received this ring and I received the ring from her, that was uh, our agreement in this proposal called marriage. And so it is with God that when I say yes to God, I open my heart to His Spirit. I trust Jesus as Lord, as God's act of love for me, and I receive Jesus as my Lord, and that's the saying yes. And that's entering into this relationship with God. And I talk to God, and I listen to God. And God talks to me, and God listens to me. And that's prayer. And that's what I want for you. And I want to give you time right now to um, bow your head, and we're going to go through three stages of prayer. So I encourage you to just get comfortable. Be relaxed. Close your eyes. If it helps to fold your hands, do that. If you want to lift them up, you can do that. But I'm going to give you just a a minute or less to pray, and I want to guide us in this prayer. Because stepping out in faith means stepping out in a life of prayer, of conversation with God. And the first step I want us to take is this issue about the relationship. Are you in a living relationship with God? Have you said yes to God? I hope you have. And if you have, I'd like you to pray right now and just thank God for Jesus. Thank God for loving you, for the relationship you have with God. If you don't have that relationship, then I encourage you just in the quietness of your heart to say, Yes, Lord, I want a living relationship with you. Jesus, come into my life. Be real to me. Love me. And I will love you. So take this moment to pray. Hannah has helped us understand that prayer is also honesty, being real. Take this moment to tell God what you think, what you feel. If you're afraid, tell God you're afraid. If you're angry, tell God about that. This is a moment to speak honestly, truthfully to the Lord. And then finally, I would like to lead you in a prayer, so if you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, and just repeat after me, and then I'll give you time to continue your own prayer silently. So would you repeat after me? Lord, like Samuel, I want to listen to you. 
Right now, I quiet my heart. I open my ears. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, help me to hear and obey. Today and the rest of this week. Amen.